0: Hi, my name is Kylie, and this is Social Distancing.
1: Episode 14, you were safe and you were loved. This is my friend, Kylie. Kylie is a piano teacher, a wife, and a mother to four rambunctious boys, ranging from seven to five months old. Kylie and I became friends playing music together at church. I never had an older sister growing up, but if I had, I would have wanted it to be Kylie. Kylie grew up in a small town in Illinois, just outside of St. Louis, Missouri.
0: I am from Jerseyville, Illinois, which is a tiny little agriculture town like an hour north of St. Louis. So to me, growing up, St. Louis was like this super cosmopolitan city, like oh, St. Louis. And we would mainly go to it to like go to Red Lobster and
1: <laughs> <laughs> like
0: big box home store.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: But Jerseyville, I mean, it's like a very kind of quintessential small town. It's conservative. Um, it's conservative <laughs> i love it it was a really safe place to grow up and i remember like while i'm in it it was like such a cliche like i can't wait to get out of here and i'm like need to explore these artsy tendencies and blah, no one understands me and then looking back it's like oh no you were just kind of moody and it's okay <laughs> and it was it was a good place to grow up
1: you're describing my childhood <laughs>
0: I know. Uh, it is unfortunately not unique, even though you think it is in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I...
1: So when it came time for life after high school, Kylie moved to St. Louis, the cosmopolitan city, to attend college.
0: So I went to Webster University. And part of why I went there was because they had an amazing study abroad program. And so if you went, I don't know if they still do this or not, but if you started going there as a freshman, by the time you were a junior, they had a freshman fly free program. So you could go to any of the campuses worldwide and they flew you there and back for however long you were studying for free. So I wanted to do that. And because I was a music major, (laughs) most music majors go to Vienna, Austria, because it's a very obvious place for a music major to go because it is so rich in music history. But I was like, screw that shit. Let's go to Asia, because when else am I ever going to live in Asia? And I had known another guy who studied abroad there like who I knew from church camp actually, and he did it years before. And growing up, we had a few exchange students and one of the girls was from Thailand. So like the, I had kind of touchstones to it, but it was just like fun and exotic. And I, I'm so drawn to things that scare me and intimidate me. And it was by far like the most that fit that, um, like ticked those boxes out of all the locations. So important part to the story, it was the day after Christmas or it was Christmas morning, the tsunami happened over in Southeast Asia.
1: The tsunami caused massive damage and killed an estimated quarter million people in countries like Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, Myanmar and Thailand.
0: But I remember it because it was a Sunday morning because my parents were already at church and I saw it on the news right before I left. And so I got there to church and I didn't even know what a tsunami was at that point. I was still young and oblivious enough that like I that had never I'd never needed to learn that word. And so my mom's sitting where they always sat in church and I go up to the second row and I like pull in and say like there's been a tsunami and Thailand got hit. And I remember her like posture just changing. Her eyes got really big. Because I think what we both thought was that I wouldn't go.
1: But it turned out the tsunami missed the area of Thailand home to the Webster University campus, which meant everything was still a go for the semester abroad.
0: We left five days after because we left on New Year's Day, which was kind of not Spooky, but there was definitely like kind of a vibe I felt like going in because I mean, this horrible natural disaster just happened to this portion of the world and the country, and um, I feel like people were a little on edge. Hey, can if we hang on one second? I feel like Kevin's yeah. still crying.
1: Remember when I said Kylie has four boys, including a five month old?
0: Oh no, he's crying so hard, baby bear. <laughs> <laughs> No, Steve is with him. What's going on?
1: About halfway through our recording, she went to check on the youngest, which ended up involving more than just the youngest.
0: Why are you up? I wanted to remember when Steve was awake. Can back here? Yeah. You need to go to sleep, baby. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. We had a fun little glimpse of my life right now. Yeah. Hey.
1: All
0: right, come here, buddy. Come here, sweetie. Getting done. Oh, I know. I know. All right. You got your puppies. Here you go. Everything's fine. You were safe and you were loved. I love you. Good night, buddy. I don't know why the baby is crying so hard right now. Poor
1: dude.
0: (sighs) Oh jeez. Okay. I'm gonna try to tune them out.
1: Okay. You good? I'm good. All right. Um, yeah, that does not sound fun. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No, it's all right.
1: Okay, so uh, New Year's, you are getting ready to leave.
0: So I left New Year's Day. And so other funny side story to all this is my relationship with my husband at that time. We had been dating, I don't know, like over a year, I think. But I always knew I wasn't going to marry him. He he is the guy you just heard in the background. (laughs) and so it was perfect because i thought this is great and we obviously knew like i wasn't going to marry him and we just kept dating because we thought the other one was hot and funny i think for the most (laughs) part and which is what else do you need in a relationship so i was like this is great i'm gonna we'll break up and i'll go to thailand and i'm gonna get over this guy like while on beaches and traveling the world and then It was one of those, like, such a cliche moment. And I'm sitting on, like, the tarmac, and he had made me burn CD. And we had this, like, very dramatic, crying, painful goodbye at the airport. And I'm, like, listening to this burn CD. And it was one of those, like, oh my gosh, like, I think I'm in love. Like, I didn't even realize it until that moment. And it was like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. So I'm leaving for this country or traveled to this country that just had this disaster and broke up with my boyfriend and think I'm in love and whatever. Like I said, so where we were, we were in a town or a city called Hua Hin, which was on the west side of the country. And it's on the beach, but it was not like the way that the country is shaped, it was not affected by the tsunami. We did, however, like over spring break, which would have been early March, some friends and I went and volunteered on an island called P, which was hit on both sides by the tsunami, which was... Uh, It was wild because this would have been like two months, almost. uh, Yeah, like just over two months after it had happened. And there was a lot of weird political stuff happening at the time, too, because there always is in every country. Some of these islands, they were not giving relief to them because they were hoping that like everyone would kind of end up giving up and then rich friends. And powerful people could go in, buy it up, like put their hotels and turn it into like a business and make tons and tons of money. Instead of caring for the locals that lived there and like already had their little um, chains and um, hotels and hostels and everything. So they're trying to basically like weed out the more low-income needy families. Not unlike how I think things would have gone today. (laughs) So we are on CoPP. It was one of those things where there's been a few moments in my life where I feel like "Eh, more than a few like a very thinly veiled moment of either a, a God moment or even like, um, like an otherworldly, supernatural, ghosty, whatever. And this was kind of one of those where I remember stepping off the boat and I think I actually like paused the minute my foot hit the beach and it was like, whew, like there's been like, tragedy here and like you could just kind of feel the presence of uh, like unsettled souls for lack of a better word it was just it was really wild our job we went there to volunteer and it was basically like a bunch of foreigners that were like kind of created this um like grassroots volunteer organization to like help i guess the locals there and so like our thing was to rake the beaches and then we were supposed to let them know if we found any like human hair or bones or clothing or anything. And at one point I found a shirt, like a beachy, like Hawaiian shirt and I'm pulling on it and it's, really really heavy and like there's just a small piece of fabric and then my heart just starts like racing because I'm like there's gonna be a body attached to this (laughs) and there wasn't it was just a bunch of sand but it was really terrifying but we did find I believe like a rib and some hair it was wild I remember the palm trees in particular like they were just severed like popping a dandelion head off of a the stem it was just it was so surreal So in Thailand, and I want to say in other Asian countries as well, there's a huge festival called the Songkran, or at least in Thailand, it's Songkran, but it's a water festival. And for basically a week, everyone pours water on each other the entire time and gets drunk. And it is like the happiest thing. It's hilarious and the whiter you are the more they want to get you wet <laughs> uh, you hear it so foreigner and Thai is frang and so you hear that like all the time because you clearly stand out because you look different and so like there's tons of uh water guns and it's just it's crazy and everyone been looking so forward to it like a, two weeks before Songkran, I got like insanely sick like sicker than I had ever been in my life My bones, I can't even, like, it was unbelievable pain and like horrible respiratory stuff. And I don't even, like, I feel like I lost time. Natalie, my roommate, was gone. And I just remember like being in bed, kind of thinking I was probably dying, (laughs) maybe. And so, but then I kind of turned a corner and I remember I had this friend jan from um germany and he gave me some pills which i was like okay i'll take anything it was like german antibiotics or Mm. something or ibuprofen i don't really know and i don't know if that helped but and i I just basically kind of naturally started to recover i also because i'm so terrible at administrative (laughs) detail things when you go there you're supposed to get the like six month visa but i didn't because I didn't. <laughs> I got like a stupid three month one, which expired after three months, and then you could only at that point get thirty day ones. So every thirty days, I had to leave the country to get my visa stamped again, so that I could be there legally. I had gotten better, and then I had to get out of the country because I needed to stamp my visa. And so we hadn't gone to Laos yet. So we're like, "Cool, let's go to Laos." And I'm like. <sighs> starting to feel a little icky again. It's like, Oh no, like maybe I just like, I'm trying to bounce back too soon. And, and again, I started like, I don't even remember where we were, but I remember my friends had left. Cause they're like, I don't feel good again. I, something's wrong. I think but like sickness is coming back. And I went to this internet cafe and sat down and there was a white guy next to me. And I think I just said, like, hi. And he said hi. And he had a really sweet Southern accent. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, I bet he's a Christian. (laughs) And I don't know what... I started talking to him because I talked to everybody. And he said, like I was saying, like, I'm really... Sick right now, and like I'm really scared, and I'm emailing my family and friends from home, like asking for prayer, and I don't really know what to do. And I was telling him my symptoms, and he's like, "Oh, like you probably got dengue fever. Like you can go to the hospital." They're like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "Don't take whatever it was, ibuprofen or something, because that could kill you." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Maybe I already did that." (laughs) Oh man. So then the next day, I go to the airport. I'm also (laughs) leaving out. The GI things that went along with this, I don't want the world to look at me differently (laughs) (laughs) if I really shared some of the stuff that happened. (laughs) So we're there and we're in Laos and the water festival is also happening there, but I don't even remember much water happening. But I remember we were at an ATM one morning and so my stomach is also going like churning gurgly terribleness and I somehow find this. (laughs) I guess I said to him, I don't know, I had to use a restroom and there was this abandoned building where we were almost because we're also students traveling as cheaply as possible. So it's the most dilapidated, like it, it's terrible and I am sweating and it's hot and there's no AC and I like somehow go up to the third floor. I don't even understand why I'm inside or how I got in, but there's people working and the type of toilets they have are squatters where you just like stand above a hole basically and I'm doing that and it's like my insides can't come outside fast enough and it's just so so loud and so painful and there's zero way that like the five people in the other room can't hear me. And then, like, all my pride is gone. It was horrible. I'm like, take me now, Lord. I don't even know what day this is, but it, it, it might've been the same day where I'm like, okay, I need to get on an airplane to go back to Bangkok that day or the next day. I leave my friends. I'm like, I have to leave. Like, I have to get to the hospital. So I fly back and I remember I had someone at the airport right down in Thai hospital because I couldn't say it. I don't remember what the word is and like trying to like get the taxi driver to understand that's where I needed to go because there was even more of like a miscommunication there. So anyway, so he takes me to the hospital and it's like state of the art beautiful hospital I mean Bangkok and it's, incredibly developed it's a really amazing city it's like where the king goes if he gets sick and I go in it it, again this is all just so foggy but I remember talking to someone and explaining like I'm, I'm very sick like I don't know what's wrong with me and so then they take me in this room and say like okay have you been to the jungle and I was like yes have you been to any of the places where the tsunami hit. Yes. And then there was one more. Like, have you eaten street food or something, or maybe something even beyond that? And I remember being like, "Yes." And then just being like, "Oh no! Like, this is not going to go well." And so they took me back and had me take X-rays. And I remember I had this necklace on. Of the, it was this leather strap, that actually came from a shoe, and I I wore one as a necklace. And Steve, who I left at the airport. Uh, I had given him one and he wore his as a necklace. And I remember in that moment having to take it off because I was getting like my body x-rayed and just like it breaking my heart and Mm. just like, oh my gosh, like, why is this happening? I can't believe this is happening. And so they do the x-rays. They admit me into a room and I'm in this hospital room and All I remember was falling asleep and being so disappointed because it was a Songkran festival. I was supposed to be traveling. I at least got my visa stamped. I'm lonely. I think I'm in love with this guy. I think I'm also dying at this point in one way or another. Like, I don't really know where, (laughs) where to go from here and the next morning I wake up and two of my girlfriends Natalie and Vanessa were asleep in chairs in my room and they were I think in some other country and they had traveled and like found me in this hospital in Bangkok and it blew me and like I almost makes me want to cry remembering that detail because I just felt so thought of and taken care of in that moment and it really it was exactly what I needed. So I remember the doctor, the doctor and nurse coming in that morning and saying, like, so we've gone over your charts and we've actually done your labs three different times, and the only thing that we found of you was there was a bacteria infection in your stomach, and that's it. Which I was shocked because I was certain there was, because my lungs were so affected and there was such respiratory stuff, and (laughs) Lord knows there was a stomach stuff, but like my bones that hurt so badly. And I don't know. So I just remember being so grateful. And so I remember him, the doctor too, saying like, so what you need to do is eat a a pretty bland diet, not too many fruits, um, like just vegetables, some rice, lean meats. And I remember at the time being like, okay, yeah, right. Like what is this Asian doctor now? Which is so such a dumb white person thing to think. Like he was clearly educated. What's so funny is like the Things I've learned about food and like that type of science as I've gotten older. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what an arrogant, dumb little. 21 year old like I know better than this doctor so they pumped me like full of IVs and and whatever antibiotics and pills and I got better very quickly and I spent the week of Songkran in the hospital (laughs) with my water being that from an IV I guess but I remember at one point a nurse coming in it was so cute she had a syringe with water in it and she put it on my neck she's like happy (laughs) Songkran it's Uh like it was really precious so I guess the point of my story or what it just, it, at the time it was by far like the scariest, I mean, definitely most threatening thing that had ever happened in my life. One of those like immediate kind of perspective things like life is really short and precious. And I was so grateful for that experience and I'm kind of a junkie for highs and lows in a way. And like when you're like really experiencing life, even when it's really bad, like kind of right now, even I think I have those moments where it's just like, but like, man, you're going to remember this. And it was one of those. And then also seeing like the beautiful things, like friends that, traveled literally through the night to be there when I woke up in the morning and to see me and make sure I was okay. And by miracles of like finding just the right people who got me to the hospital and finding being taken care of by modern medicine. And I remember the the bills going to my parents and it was like an x-ray was like $3 or something like the both the exchange rate and just what Healthcare can look like outside of the United States. Like, I think my dad still talks about that sometimes. <laughs> like, it blows him away how cheap it was.
1: As we live in this moment where we're feeling isolated or we're feeling alone at home or we're feeling overwhelmed by the abundance of children who are living in our home, what advice do you have for people who are practicing social distancing?
0: And this is actually what we do with our kids when they throw tantrums we learned what's called a lazy eight and a lazy eight is you like take your pointer finger and in front of you, you draw like an infinity sign, like a sideways eight, and then use like slowly while you do it, use that motion to inhale and exhale. So we use this all the time in our family because it's a way when you change that breathing pattern, it kind of short circuits the like adrenaline in their emotions and when they're having those tantrums we learned this from some psychological evaluation at some point of some kid i don't remember but it's like been like one of the few parenting tools that were like tried and true we've hung on to i do them as well and it's important for me that the kids see me doing it because there are those moments where like i a do scream or b want to scream and so i like literally stop and do my like And it never ceases to amaze me how that actually works and calms me down. So in those moments, I think where it just feels like too much, like you forget how important your breath is and how healing and calming it has the ability to just kind of change everything very literally, like in a palpable way.
1: What advice do you think your oldest would have for people right now?
0: That's a good question. He's a deeper thinker than I would I know expect for a little seven-year-old. What advice would he have? Honestly, though, he would probably just say, like, Minecraft is a really great way to pass time. <laughs> Although we limit it to 20 minutes. 30 if he's lucky and he i probably he would think to just like f- dive into your hobbies he's really into legos and like he was at the beginning of this and now it's just kind of like escalated which is also in thanks to lego masters i think which we watched <laughs> so cute and we love will arnett so i think watching that has really like sparked his imagination and his desire to become a lego master
1: Kylie, I'm really grateful for your time. this has been oh. this has been a lot of fun and it's been I loved talking to you. Well thank you. This has been uh, really fun to get to know uh, a side of you that I did not know and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well
0: oh, thanks buddy. Good luck with this.
1: If you have an extra minute, it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. My hope with this show is that I can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world. And if you've experienced that yourself, I hope you'll let people know. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Saturday.